Hello, and welcome to I Love It, Don't You? The podcast where friends share with friends whether they like it or not. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Kim. And I'm Janelle. This week, I forced Janelle and Kim to watch Stardust, and neither of them had seen it for the first time. Um, and I was shocked. I was like, this is like in Yale's Warhouse. So I forced them to watch it. And for you, those that don't know, Stardust, it came out in 2007. And it's about um, this guy named Tristan, and to win the heart of his beloved, he ventures into the realm of fairies to retrieve a fallen star. What Tristan finds, however, is not a chunk of space rock, but a woman. And I think I got that from IMDb, just to cite my sources. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we can't be original here? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want, no, I can't describe movies. I'm really bad at it. I'm, like, just terrible. I'm just like, there's this guy, and there's a star, but she's not really a star. Like, I don't know. Thank you for citing your sources. And he does a You're thing. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> there's, like, a wall. And things happen, and maybe love. It's, like, in London, but, like, there's not people. London, in England. Yeah, there's people. So, guys, what did you guys think? Oh, wait. Who should I start with? Kim? Janelle? Janelle. I don't care. Okay. Um... I, I really, I, I liked it. Um, I have a lot of issues with it, but at the same time, I really did like it. Mm-hmm. This isn't a fantasy movie that you're going to go into because you want something, like, hard-hitting and, and like, Mm-mm. narratively complex or anything like that. Like, when, you, when you're watching it, it's very easy to predict pretty well how the ending will go. But that's not necessarily why I go into fantasy movies a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I go in because I want to see a different world or I want to like just escape a little bit you know Mm -hmm. because this is very much it's it's quirky um things aren't always done logically but in a way it makes it more fun Mm -hmm. um so I really like it and I'm probably gonna sound really negative about it just because I have a lot of goofy things but okay it's just because it's not one that you go into for depth and that's absolutely fine that is Mm -hmm. legitimate my favorite dumb movie ever is Dodgeball, the oh, Ben God. Stiller movie, and it's like I don't have to have depth, but I'll still pick out little yeah. issues, you know. I did. Sorry, I forgot one thing. It is based on a book by Neil Gaiman, and um, yeah, I just thought that was good. Okay. Have you watched? Have you watched the book? You don't watch books, <laughs> no. Have you she read the book? It. I've read a few chapters of the book. Of course, I started it at the beginning of the school year, so like I got distracted and I can't finish it right now. But it does start off differently than the movie. So if you're a big fan of the book, I don't know if it if I, the movie follows the book uh, really well. I've heard that it does not. Yeah. It doesn't from what I read on IMDb, because I did go and, and do a little bit of research. Yeah. Um, this was all done with uh, Neil, Neil Gaiman's blessing. Um, he specifically chose the person that he wanted to write it and direct it and all that good stuff. Um, and he approved, like, of all the changes and things, and he said it's, I can't remember how he put it, but it's, like, basically it's a parallel work. No, it's not exactly the same, but it's definitely done in the spirit of the book and is done well. That's another thing. Like, I noticed even from the first few chapters that it did have this kind of whimsical, magical feel to it, Mm -hmm. and I do think the movie captures that feeling really well. Definitely. It feels like a, a Terry Gilliam movie. If you've ever watched, um... The Brothers Grimm. This is oh. this is like a, a lighter version of that. Um, it's got some really kind of weird, quirky stuff, kind of like the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. I love that movie. Um, uh, but I also it reminded me a lot. I'm sorry, I know we haven't gotten to you yet, Kim. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of 
The Princess Bride, and I'm not mm. saying that. Princess Bride is one of my favorite favorite movies, and this is also one of my favorite movies. I can't say it's as good as The Princess Bride, though, but um, it just kind of reminds me of that kind of like whimsical. It's in a different. It's a world similar to ours, but not and. Um, a lot of polarizing characters, like people that are the opposites of each other and the extremes of whatever they are. And I also think that it's kind of genre-defying, like just similar, also similar to The Princess Bride, because Princess Bride is also, it's a romantic comedy, it has a lot of adventure, and, um, so and it's got of, some drama. It's, it's got some drama, yeah. yeah. And Same I think that, the, yeah, and it's, I think it's hard to put this kind of movie into a category. I mean, it's definitely fantasy. It's definitely fantasy. It's a fairy tale. It is a fairy it's tale. It's a fairy tale. And so is The Princess Bride. <laughs> okay, now finally, Kim. Um, I liked it. I did. Um, I actually was kind of surprised because I really didn't think that I would like it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of hesitant to watch it. But I did really enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed the main characters and stuff. And and I thought, I thought it was really good. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I was so nervous because I was like, I'm pretty sure they're going to like this, but... <laughs> I could be completely wrong. So that's why I had to have you guys, like, because I had to manage my expectations. Um, I had them tell me what they thought a little bit before we started. Well, I think this was the perfect time for me to watch this because I know a little bit more about some of the actors and things. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think this came out in, like, my mild movie snob days. I was like, oh, people don't like this. It didn't have a big, you know, a big box office opening or anything so I just I don't know I don't think it's gonna be that great and it's like now that I've I'm older and I just kind of appreciate things if I appreciate them not mm -hmm. not based off of anybody else mm -hmm. um I I think it's the time for me to watch it because it has Charlie Cox in it yeah who is Daredevil and it was very interesting for me to see him smile and like be able to see mm -hmm. um <laughs> and also Claire Danes you know yeah, and yeah. Robert De Niro um oh, Robert De Niro no not for, me up. yeah okay good I said the right name yes he was great Shakespeare and I was oh I just loved him and then I love the moment when his crew finds out that he likes to dress up in like women's clothes and he's like I don't know what they call it in the movie but I'm pretty sure he's gay and well, they say he's a whoopsie. Yeah, he's a whoopsie. <laughs> and his crew is like, we stand behind you. Like, well, we, and, they, like, and they're like, you. we already knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not news to us. Yeah. <laughs> you have not hidden this. <laughs> and we're with you. Yeah. I really like that moment. Um, also, I want to give a really quick shout out to Ricky, Ricky Gervais in this, because I think he was so funny. He was. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. He plays Ferdy, the, the salesman. The British guy that um, that they sell lightning to. Oh, yeah. Okay. He. Oh my gosh! Yes. He and actually. So great. He okay, improvised sorry. the majority of his dialogue too. I had no clue. I'm so yes. glad that you brought uh, you looked up all those facts. Yes. <laughs> um, and he it makes amazing. sense though when you go back and and watch it though like he has he's so much smoother in how he delivers everything. He's got like levels to his dialogue and everything like. He's not just always talking up here. He's also down here. He's uh, yeah. fading in and out, but in, like, a really good, normal, conversational way. And he's mm -hmm. just, he's fantastic in, like, the two minutes that he's on screen. He's yeah. so good. I love, okay, I'm pretty sure this is his line. Um, I love the line where he's like, I can sell you two-headed dog. You know, they're great. They can rush to the front, the back at the same time. <laughs> like, I love that That line. was specifically listed as an improvised line. That was an amazing on IMDb. line. On <laughs> Um... 
I also have to, we talked about it having a poor box office opening, and I just have to point out, The Princess Bride also did very poorly. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, it's opening weekend, and now it's like, I think it's a classic. Anyway, I well, have to bring that up. terrible forever. Sorry, Kim. One, one more point on the Princess Bride here. <laughs> I have a story that I heard from, like, Carrie Elwes's mm-hmm. uh, Facebook page. Oh, okay. Um, he, the Princess Bride didn't pick up until home video sales became, like, a big thing. It, mm-hmm. it, it bombed until mm-hmm. it was, uh, and I, th- I feel like it was in, like, some kind of development or post-development hell, something like that. I don't know. Anyway, they decided to release it on home video, and then it started getting, like, this cult following going on, and so <laughs> Gary always talked about going through, like, a Burger King drive through or something like that, and some <laughs> when he got to the window, they, like, gave him his food and everything. He was like, thank you, and they're like, as you wish, as he goes to leave, and he's like, oh, what, what? <laughs> um... So yeah, I mean it was it was a sleeper hit, and maybe this one's going to be that way too. I don't know. I think I think so. I but think, I don't know. Uh, I think the Princess Bride helped with like TV, like it was on a lot, to, mm-hmm. you know, on different random TV yeah. channels. Like that's how I first came across it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that happens less these days, where you're just watching TV and trying to find something. You're automatically going to go to Netflix. You're automatically going to go to mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, whatever. So the chances of something like this finding that new life on TV and getting that mm-hmm. that following, I don't think is as good. I think it's I, just going to change okay. to Netflix, though, mm-hmm. because I've mm-hmm. seen this pop up on Netflix five billion times. Because and each they time, knew you would like it. And oh. I was, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, how they, that's why. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Shout out to Netflix. Um, oh, it popped up in my Netflix okay. um, several times, and me and my little movie snob self was just kind of like no I don't want to watch that stop recommending it to me Mm -hmm. um because I just formed an opinion and stuck to it um so I can see where things like that because a lot of the time you fall into what's that Malcolm Malcolm McDowell thing he was in an Amazon commercial he's like the show hole you fall into that and you get desperate (laughs) and so I think that I, I think Netflix is just gonna replace TV in that aspect that you're gonna start just watching whatever's mm-hmm. on or whatever's available, and so maybe it will get a new life. Mm-hmm. I also think that this has um, a broader appeal than people expect because um, I've met other people who this would not be their genre at all to watch, and they just decide to give it a try on Netflix, and if they turned out to really like it, they were also pleasantly surprised. So I'm just crossing my fingers as a fangirl that people will realize how great this movie is. Let's just start from the beginning. I love the opening with Tristan going to Victoria with flowers and then, um, what's his name? Whatever his face is. Humphrey. That's Henry Cavill, by the way. What? That is Henry Cavill. Oh my gosh. I never, I thought I knew. Oh my gosh. I had no clue. Anyway. And he like... I mean, he doesn't even appear on screen when he um, knocks the flowers out of Tristan's hand. And I just love that moment so much. And it's just like they're suddenly gone. And there's this flashy guy. And Victoria and Humphrey are just the worst. But they also, I think, have like some comic appeal to me. Especially at the end when Robert De Niro <laughs> winks at Humphrey. And then That's Humphrey's right. like, yeah. And I love that moment. I could have taken, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I did think, what was her name? The Victoria. 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 
Um, yeah, I did really like that because I thought she deserved that because I really did not like her. I know. I'm going to take an unpopular opinion. Oh, okay. She is a jerk, but I don't think that she, I think she's more of a product of her time and her social status Mm -hmm. than, like, not that she's innocent by any means, Mm -hmm. but she, this is inferred to be a time in which people just do what they're told. Mm -hmm. Um... Because but she also screws with him. Oh, she definitely does. Yeah, she does. doesn't have to be so callous. But, right, and, like, <laughs> totally, like, goes in, demands his attention, like... She demands a star. She does. Okay. After he suggests it. Okay, yeah, he does get um, really into the idea. But here's the thing. I You can very easily turn it around and say that she doesn't want to be in the position that she's in, so she's going to entertain the idea of, you know, having this overly romantic overly enthusiastic guy chase after her for a while Mm -hmm. until she can't anymore yeah so i mean i'm not saying that i like her i'm not saying that like i I love her by any means or that i think she's totally innocent i just i think that the movie really kind of clear cuts her too much because there's some genuine affection there like she she seems concerned when she says, this must have taken all of your savings. It's not like, a, oh, you pathetic, you're, you're, you're buying all of this stuff for me. Um, and she genuinely seems to have a good time with him. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't think she's terrible. I think she just knows how to manipulate people easily. Yeah. I think why I lean towards she's terrible is because of her going into the shop. I was just thinking Demanding, about that Demanding, like... He's, he's with the customer. He, she knows that he, mm-hmm. like, really likes her or whatever, and demanding his attention, knowing that that's his job, knowing that he probably needs that job, and just not mm-hmm. caring. And that that's how it played to me. And, like, walk me home now because I have time for you. Yeah. I do love the moment after that where he's like, Dad, I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that moment so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant one little seed in your ear for the moment, mm-hmm. though. And just just plan just away. Think about it for a little while. We don't even have to keep talking about it. But I'm curious as to why you don't like her, but you like Blair Waldorf. Oh, because I like. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a long conversation, Janelle. <laughs> I was going to say, how much time you got, Janelle? Yeah, sure. You- but I, I, I'm not saying. I mean, I like Victoria because she inspires comic moments within Stardust. Um. I don't really, but as a character, I don't know. Uh, Blair Waldorf. Okay, Blair Waldorf. Blair Waldorf is funny, okay? And she's smart. And Victoria's not? No. Because, like, she, because the the reason that that interaction between uh, Tristan and Victoria is funny is because Tristan, not because of Victoria. So, um, Yeah. And Blair Waldorf. Blair Waldorf, one time, when she was trying to find a career, made, like, this, like, she had her minions make a uh, poster board filled with powerful women. And Diane Humphrey comes in, and he's like, you know that powerful woman isn't a career. And that's why I love Blair Waldorf, because she wants to be a powerful woman. (laughs) Waldorf Waldorf did live in a time, though, where she could be a powerful woman. That is a possibility. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I'm just I'm just inviting thought here. But we, I'll keep thinking about that. Okay. That's a good question. We also get to see more Blair. Oh yeah, you totally. So did. like right. you can go from disliking her to like seeing other sides. You mm -hmm. see more sides of her. Not that right. I'm a huge Blair Rollerdoff fan, but I'm just saying you you get to grow with her and, and right. whatever. And Victoria saying, doesn't have a lot of growth within the movie. Not that she can't grow as a character. Yeah. And if she did, I could see being like loving her a lot. I don't know if I had like did you guys have any favorite characters within the movie? Like, um, I really liked Primus for a while. Mm -hmm. I thought Primus was pretty cool until he starts getting like ravenous about the stone. Like when he's in the bathtub and he's like, bring it here. Don't you know who I am? And everything. And I was like, just chill out, dude. Cause you don't seem like you've been that crazy about getting the Ruby back. Mm -hmm. Um, other than that, who did I like? I liked the star. What was her name? Was it Vane? Uh, Evane. Evane. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really liked the star. Yeah. And I really liked uh, Robert De Niro's character. Yes. Uh, the star, uh, Evane, she has this one line when Tristan's like, I promised Victoria I'd bring her to the star. And she was like, oh, a kidnapped, injured woman is such a great present. I just love that line so much. <laughs> Uh, she does a very good job. Yeah. And I also I love the guy that's guarding the wall. <laughs> he is so funny. <laughs> He's great. And I love the brothers after they die. I love their commentary about mm -hmm. what things are going on. And, like, there's this one moment where a brother's really close to getting the stone or something. And they're like, come on. Why can't you <laughs> see it? <laughs> like, look at it. It's right there. And then they're like, finally. Like, I just love their uh, hype. I guess they're yeah. hyping, like, what's going on. Yeah, um, and I think that was just kind of like a genius comic device to use. They are really fun. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I'm trying to avoid like the main characters too. I don't know why I never go like yeah. The I fav mean, I my love favorite Tristan. Characters. I think that yeah. Charlie Cox is that his name? Charlie Cox. Yeah, I think he did a great job, and like I love it when he comes back afterwards. I think he looks so good, <laughs> like with the, his Robert De Niro makeover. Right. And um, I never thought I would like him with long hair. I, I did. I very much did. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's. I think my my hesitation. I I like him, but I only like him after that makeover, like you say. Not just because of how he looks, mm -hmm. but because he stops being a jerk. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's and I understand. I guess they're trying to be like, oh, it's young love, and he's just not thinking properly. Right. Um, he looks too old for me to buy that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't look like an eighteen year old, so it's hard for me to be like, oh, he's just being stupid. Um, but he treats Evane like really, really terribly. Like mm -hmm. she has a broken leg. Yeah. It's actually it's in the book that it's broken for the majority of the book. Mm -hmm. Gets fixed a lot faster in the movie. Um, but he's just like dragging her through the woods by a chain, and I'm like, that's mm -hmm. that that's not quality protagonist material right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think about that, but. I, I can see definitely what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's, I can't figure out, I don't know. I like him, but I like him later. I like him when he kind of loses his lovesickness, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, I also really like Septimus, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just like, sorry, guys, I killed you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the his dad, too. So his dad is morbidly hilarious because he's like, <laughs> Where's Una? And they're like, she. We haven't seen her for many years. Septimus, and he's got like this little like grin on his face. <laughs> like, did you kill your sister? Yeah. Aww. It's like, 
like, this is a messed up family. You know what's weird, though, is that I didn't realize until the end of the movie that, what's her name? I forgot what her name is. Una. Una. Uh, Una. Una. I didn't realize that Una was the slave uh, with the witch in the cart and everything. Yeah. Even though at the beginning of the movie she says, I'm a princess, will you liberate me? Which I love that line. It's so (laughs) sketchy, though. That is the sketchiest thing. Like, he is walking through this, like, flea-infested market, and she's like, I'm a princess. I was tricked into being a slave. Will you free me? And it's like, no. (laughs) You sound like a prostitute, and you just want to have sex with him, because that's literally what she does. Well, I mean, look, it's probably been a very long time. We see in the movie that she doesn't age, so who knows how long, really. Well, I guess we kind of, we could probably figure it out. Probably someone's figured out how long she's been a slave. But my guess has been a really long time. You know? Well, it's been 18 here's a years. Cute guy. It's at least been 18 years. Yeah. And here's this cute guy coming by the stall, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> I really liked it. I really liked how they met and everything. I I was a little leery of how they met, too. Oh, yeah. like, oh. It was, it was kind of like, um, okay, like, yeah, when she's like, I'm a princess. I didn't really believe her until later, until, yeah. until mm-hmm. the father is asking for her. I did. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's... Yeah. You know, the the princess that was a slave, that's her, you know, mm-hmm. that's, he's, Tristan's gonna eventually become the king, like, okay, you know, yeah. like, I did. I didn't catch that until the very end, until he was a prince, and I was like, oh, or the king, actually, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, now I get it. Oh, no, I knew, like, at <laughs> the, at the okay. deathbed, or whatever, and how this changed his life, this mm-hmm. night changed his life forever, or whatever, it was like, oh, well the missing daughter is the princess that was enslaved and Tristan's going to be king. They're all, you know, I have a theory though. Um, because if we go by the movie's logic, even if Septimus had been able to get a hold of the jewel and all that good stuff, he still wouldn't be the last living heir, the last living male heir. So he probably wouldn't have been able to be king. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if one of the other brothers I just it's just an idea like behind the scenes one of the other brothers actually sold Una off like enlisted the witch to take uh, her okay. so that she couldn't have any kids probably yeah I mean it's not really it's not said so at maybe all maybe that's one of the reasons that she lured him into her her wagon or whatever the you know like I don't the, know like seduced I don't think him just because like she's kind of planning for that to have like some kind of insurance. That puts a really dark twist on her. Oh. I wouldn't go in there that far okay. with that. <laughs> she seems like really a dirty, genuinely. Oh, yeah, maybe cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> no, You're keep editing. it. Keep no. it because like Is it out me editing. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> well, whenever she sees Tristan, though, she genuinely like embraces him and everything. Oh, I believe that she, she really didn't, loves him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know that she... I imagine the first thing on her mind would be to um, uh, 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 get free. Because I feel like if if she knew that her brother had tricked her, or gotten the witch to trick her, then she would have been like, when she first meets Tristan's dad, would have been like, (laughs) my brother tricked or hired a witch to trick me into being a slave. It wouldn't be like she tricked me into being a slave. She would have been like, there's an extra layer of betrayal here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. I don't think it's that dark. Okay. Dark, but not that dark. I went to a dark place. (laughs) You really did. (laughs) Just innocently. Uh, What else can we talk about? 
I really like the costumes in this movie. Yeah, that's the costumes the were really costumes. good, especially with the princes. Because mm-hmm. did you notice? And I got this from IMDb, but I started looking closer because I actually watched this one and a half times. I okay. decided to go back through. Um, all of the princes actually have the numbers of their birth order. I didn't know it's, that. It's first of all their names. Mm-hmm. Primus is first. Secundus is second. Um, oh. Tertius is the third. Mm-hmm. Um, on and on and on. But it's actually embroidered and tattooed on them and everything in different ways. I did notice it tattooed on one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Septimus, I don't know if it's tattooed on all of them, but it's shown on Septimus Mm -hmm. that he's tattooed with it. But it's like if you look at Primus's coat, it's got these little square patterns on it. But if you look closer, it's actually the Roman numeral one. Um, Tertius, the uh, coat that he has on, it's got like this lining around the opening of it. And it's groups of three bars on it for the okay. third. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of them has something like that. If you can get a still enough frame to look at the ones that are uh, dead, <laughs> each one of them has their number on them. Um, okay, so when I have a question. I didn't notice this, um, but we have a scene where all the brothers are like introduced, like the king's on his deathbed, and like the mm-hmm. brothers come kind of come in one by one. Are they coming in in order? No. Okay. No, because Primus is already there and Tertius is already there. And then they have Secundus come in. The w- He's the one that they're waiting on. And mm-hmm. that the king tells him to just, you know, look out and see what you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look or up. death. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're out of order. Fun, fun thing. There's a lot of, like, fairly well-known British actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um Secundus is actually played by Rupert Everett, mm-hmm. who was the voice of Prince Charming in the Shrek movies. This is to put it in an American perspective. I know mm-hmm. that there's much better things to put in this <laughs> yeah. um, He was in the Cameron Diaz, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. I have not seen that. And, and yep. Julia Roberts. I remember that's, that. That's, well, yeah. Okay. Um, he also and, voices DeFox. In Chronicles of Narnia. He was my favorite character oh. in that movie. I was going to say, he is known in, in America. Like, probably more in the 90s-ish. So maybe a little before your time. But, uh... I mean, he, I was alive <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah, but not paying attention to <laughs> yeah, that's pop culture fair. stuff. Just, Older pop, like... WB Kids was my thing. Mm-hmm. And PBS at that time. I love it when Tristan <laughs> calls the Babylon camp candle the babbling candle <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh so hard this time and the 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 star is like you mean the Babylon candle and he's like yeah what I said <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> the babbling candle mm-hmm. um I, sorry I guess I should have been better prepared it's okay well it's harder to talk about movies anyway um I noticed a lot of goofs in this movie. Ooh, tell us. Um, like, or just illogical things um, in general. One of the main ones, though, is when, uh, what's her name? Lamia, uh, the, the Michelle Pfeiffer's character, mm-hmm. the witch. Um, she does, like, these really simple enchantments, and it's like her arm gets liver spots all over it because she starts, like, aging rapidly when she uses her magic but then she goes and like (laughs) creates an entire inn and 
changes two goats into people and like it's like an elaborate thing and she just like doesn't change at all (laughs) she's like fine she should be a little old lady by then um it's it it really wavers in and out like the power usage to fit the the what's going on part of the story yeah Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things with that whole you know her slowly be turning into the old lady again is when she goes to fix her cheek and then her boobs sag. Yeah. <laughs> that like that cracked me up. Uh, yes. It is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, plays it so well. She does. She does. Yeah. She does a very good job in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, go, oh no. no, you go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, probably like my favorite scene is like the, the end where um the witches have the star and mm-hmm. and whatever but then like once that was that was septimus right was he the last one brother yeah. to die um once like he's died or whatever but then she gets the doll and is like making the doll attack mm-hmm. um tristan and stuff and like that entire scene just cracked me up so much and then the brothers all like sitting there even Septimus watching himself do all this and the brothers kind of like looking at him like what are you doing and he's like I, I don't know what I'm doing yeah. and like seeing himself get stabbed again and whatever like that just cracked me up so much well and I'm like how dangerous because this is me I'm always thinking about how do they do these things how do they physically pull it off you know behind the scenes and I'm like that takes some kind of stunt man to be able to fight somebody when he's like literally looking down at the floor. There's a part where yeah. he he's actually there's a couple different ways. He he's like thrown backwards, so he's at just about a ninety degree angle, um, backwards like from his hips mm-hmm. bent over, so he's facing the ceiling, and then the exact opposite ninety degrees down towards the floor, and yet he's still like uh, sword fighting with Tristan, and I'm like that takes. That takes yeah. a lot of skill to be able to do that and do it with dead weight. Um, it, well, looking like you have dead weight and everything. Mm-hmm. It's so clever, too, and morbid. I think, I don't know if that part was in the book or not, but there was actually something equally morbid and similar in the book that I read about. Um, the unicorn is actually, it's killed in, mm-hmm. in both the movie and the book, but it's re, its, it's uh, head is chopped off in the book. And then it's, like, reanimated. Oh, my God. (laughs) By the evil witch and is used, like, to chase after them or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's gross. Well, yeah. The book is very different and does not have nearly as hopeful of an ending. The witch actually, like, lives still. Okay. Um, And I'm trying to think what what else. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That was a big spoiler. (laughs) <laughs> you might cut I, that out. Yeah. Bleep that out. Bleep I, that I was out thinking better. of reading that over Christmas. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I, I do think that's a great example, though, of... I think that if that... If the witch does um, live, as you say, then I think that then this is a good example of the movie taking this book but changing the ending, and I think for the better. Mm-hmm. Like... It's definitely... It's a hopeful ending. Yeah, and I think that just acknowledging that sometimes the movie can't do what the book does mm-hmm. so like just having this opportunity to, to to take these characters in the setting and create another wonderful story about it i don't know mm-hmm. well so, i think it sorry 
I would just appreciate having just like the guts to like just just change it, you know. Like if you think it's not gonna work for the movie, like the book isn't gonna work for the movie, certain elements, then just change it to make a a good movie. I agree. Um, on the other hand, though, I do really appreciate movies and, and stories in general that can do the hard ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a Stephen King movie that was uh, an adaptation. Well, of course it was. Um, there's a <laughs> there's an adaptation of a Stephen King book um, where, oddly enough, Stephen King's book was had like a hopeful ending, and then the makers of the movie were just like, no, screw that, and so they made it so that everybody dies in like this horribly tragic way, except for one person. Um, and people are like irate about that, but Stephen King like gave them applause. He's like, that was great. I don't know why I ended it the way that I did, and. It's depressing to watch. What movie do you remember? Um, The Mist, I think it is. Okay. It's wh- There's The Mist and there's The Fog. Not the Tom Welling one. Okay. I don't know. I never remember the difference between it. But it's about this scary, like, mist that, like, covers the earth and there's monsters out in it and it's they're actually mm-hmm. aliens and everything. And it follows this group of people that, like, hole up inside of a supermarket trying to escape the aliens. Mm-hmm. Um... And it's, like, a really heavy plot, and so having a heavy ending like that, sometimes, I think having the balls to do that is, like, really respectable. But at the same time, like, with this movie, they have set it up to have this really whimsical, fantastical plot mm-hmm. with some really dark elements to it. But it's, it is very much a fairy tale, and we like our fairy tales to usually have maybe a morbidly happy ending but mm-hmm. a happy ending nonetheless yeah so it makes sense to have a happy one for this mm-hmm. and and not to for the book as well yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i i do like when they movies kind of stick to the books ending. like but i'm trying to think because it feels like there's a recent example where they did kind of make it happier in the movie and it's like well it makes sense why they weren't going the way the book did, but I can't remember what that was. A new new release? I think or... so. Um... I mean, I know one oh. movie I wish they had done that with, but... Was it maybe Paper Towns? I haven't Have you seen Paper, Paper Towns. Towns? Oh, okay. Paper Towns did that. They did a much happier ending. Like, the end of the Paper Towns book is, like, it's... It completely defeats the purpose of... The not really, it doesn't defeat the purpose of, but it's you're expecting a happy ending and you don't get it. I just you, didn't like that book at all. Uh, <laughs> did you read it? Did you read <laughs> the book? I mean, like, okay, that was no. a stupid question. That was a stupid question. No, I just saw it, assumed that it like it, moved on. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I read that book. I haven't read the book, I just know that I didn't like the movie. I was just hoping the book would be better. Um, I, I, I think it depends on what you're wanting. I liked watching, this is one of the things about me and why I'm probably going to make you watch terrible things, um, <laughs> is because I tend to appreciate things not necessarily because they are good, but because I can see how much fun the actors had, or I can see the potential of it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this, um, there's this TV show that uh, Heath Ledger was in, and I've told you guys about this a million times. I picked oh, it up yeah. and showed it to you guys. Um, but it was a terrible show, but I love it. Um, it was called Roar. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those you can tell that the cast just had a ton of fun, like, uh, 
acting in and everything and, and the fun costumes that they had to wear and and that there was a lot of potential for it. And so I can watch things like that and be satisfied, even though it's it wasn't executed well and and like it. Um, so I kind of feel the same way with, with, I think this is how I was bringing it back around, but <laughs> the same way with uh, Paper Towns, both the book and the movie. I like watching the movie because the actors just have a ton of fun. Like, they improvised the whole singing the Pokemon theme song to get oh, pumped really? up. Yeah, there was there's this scene where um, the teenagers are, like, going to go through the wall of this, like, yeah. creepy abandoned gas station. I do like that scene. And so, yeah, and, and the actors, they were having such a fun time that they decided the fun thing to do would be to, like, pump each other up by singing the Pokemon theme song before they go through the wall. And they kept it, and that's not in the book at all. But you can tell they just they did it impromptu. Yeah. And I think I read it somewhere, too. And so I like watching the movie... Even though I'm not a massive fan of it, I like watching the movie because they had fun. Okay. And I like reading the book because it's, I mean, it's not my favorite thing ever, mm -hmm. but it's its interesting, it's fun, and I think it's a story worth reading at least once. Sure. I find his novels hit or miss, like, Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. That's very fair. I haven't but. read a lot. Um, I have read, I mean, Fault in Our Stars, that I think that might be the only one I've read, which I did like, and it did make me cry a lot. Um, I've, I've read that one and I liked, I just can't handle those stories too often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I read Paper, Paper Towns and then Looking for Alaska, which has actually been my favorite. Okay. Yeah. I heard that one's really good. Mm -hmm. Looking for Alaska is pretty good. My favorite is the one that nobody else likes. It's An Abundance of Catherine's. Nobody likes it. I love it. I, I think it's it. great. I have that to read. I have not read it yet. I kind of get, I kind of get through like the first few chapters. I, I was going to say, I've read like it. a page or two of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nobody's favorite because it's just I think because it's illogical. It doesn't and make I, any sense, right? And that's why I love it. It <laughs> makes no sense. Like this kid, it makes no sense for him to try and apply a mathematical formula to getting a girlfriend. But he's darn well gonna try and do here's it. Here's the thing: I didn't even get that far. Like when <laughs> his parents, when his parents decided to let him go on a road trip to nowhere, he's like 16, and like no, no plan. Look. That's actually around just where my hometown is. Upsetting where, to me. <laughs> where he goes on a road trip too, where they where they end up staying. Yeah. It's a fictional town that's like within an hour of my hometown mm -hmm. and my where I went to undergrad. Yeah. It's I mean, like I understand. Why so I am biased, you know. <laughs> like uh, Charlotte and Harris wrote um, a series that's in Shakespeare, Arkansas. Shakespeare, Arkansas is not a real town, but it's really close to Monticello. Well, the this fictional town is fictionally placed close to Monticello and I mean I like it because of that I'm from Arkansas you never you know like shout out to Monticello Arkansas <laughs> you know you never get that um but let's try to get back to Stardust <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seem to wander I think this is fun. This is yeah. going to be a good one. Okay. And I'm not even being sarcastic. No, yeah. I think this is a lot of fun. Um I'm not going to cut any of that out. Good. But um Let's try it. Do we want to talk about Robert De Niro and him being Shakespeare? And I don't know oh, how no. I feel about this. <laughs> what? Tell, do, do you tell not us. like uh, Robert De Niro as Shakespeare? No, I think he's hilarious. Yeah. But I'm trying to figure out if it's offensive or not. <laughs> oh, um, I never even... that. Maybe I should have thought of that, but I never thought what I thought. I didn't... It yeah. didn't make me feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's... I feel like for some people it could very easily come off as being... 
um, a, a, I'm not thinking of the right word, not a satire, but like a... a stereotype? Yeah, a stereotype of a gay character, because, mm-hmm. oh, he likes to dress in women's clothing. And that's so funny, ha ha ha. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't get that, because one, like... Because, I mean, I found, I found this character to be, you know, crazy or whatever. Not crazy, but, like, I don't know how I'm trying, what I'm trying to say here. Um, eccentric? Eccentric. But it fit because this is a fantasy movie and everything mm-hmm. is kind of crazy and eccentric mm-hmm. in it. Right. And so, when I watched it, I didn't think stereotype because, mm-hmm. because it's set in this world. Right. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm not making a lot of sense, but. No, I, I, also, I also felt like, I mean, I don't know if this negates what you're saying, Janelle, but I did feel like he was, like, this hero, and I so enjoyed watching him. Um, I do, I mean, when I go back, I am going to think about, am I, do I think this funny? Am I laughing at him because he's gay, or am I laughing at this because, does that, or for another reason? I don't know. Is maybe that kind of what you're saying? Maybe I should rephrase. I feel like it could very easily get people offended. I think he comes off as being, um, like, pretty natural. I feel like he is comfortable in his own skin and that he's mm-hmm. he's not playing a character. He's being the character. Um, okay. And so I feel like it's it's it feels natural. It doesn't feel like he's putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Um and so for that, like, I really appreciate the performance. I find it funny. Um, I just, I also can see where people would be sitting down with, like, their bingo card of, like, stereotypical okay. gay character traits mm-hmm. and just waiting to get mad at it, you know? Yeah. Um, I do, it, it is a twist, though, that he is a confidant and a hero in his own right mm-hmm. um, and that he is greeted with support instead of, you know, fear or, or mm-hmm. hatred or anything like that. So it is, I think it's really fun. Yeah. It's definitely really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if it will be for everybody. Yeah. Here again, it's kind of like, um, kind of like the IT crowds, uh, yeah, that one episode. the gay musical episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you really, you've got to be cool with it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to find it funny. Like you just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it can very easily go one way or the other yeah. to me. I love him and his crew and their flying ship. You know, <laughs> it is my favorite. He does have my favorite line of the movie though, where he's like, you know, it took me decades to figure out the name Shakespeare. It's like, you know, I'm thinking prolific British playwright, and they're just like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so my much. favorite line in the entire thing. It's mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. Okay. I love the I love the sets and I love the little village of the wall. Like mm-hmm. I definitely want to live there. I definitely want to or just go there for like tea in the afternoon. Maybe not live there. I don't know if they have plumbing. Um, <laughs> well, I just keep thinking, why doesn't anybody try and like jump over the wall elsewhere on the wall? Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, we have to go through this one break in the wall because we apparently can't jump over three feet of wall. I think um, yes, that is exactly right, Janelle. Thank you for <laughs> realizing that. <laughs> I don't know if people in the wall want to, uh, the wall village want to go over the wall. I think that Tris and his father are kind of, I got the impression that they were kind of unique in wanting to get outside of 
this little village. Like, even Paris, and now even Tristan says, I want to go to London. I want to go to Paris. Right. When she's like, Humphrey's going all the way to this <laughs> village Switch. next door. Ipswich. <laughs> He's going all the way to Ipswich for my ring. He's like, Ipswich? Um, right, So yeah. kind of getting that adventurous. I was going to say, yeah, I kind of picked up on that. Like, yeah, the most of the town is just satisfied with being in the town, with being... Right. There's something over there, and we don't want to go explore that. We don't want to have to know what's going on and confronting that. Right. Mm-hmm. I uh, just mean... Maybe I was giving Tristan and Dunstan a little too much credit <laughs> in thinking that they would be intelligent enough to try and jump over the wall elsewhere. Well, and maybe because, you know, it's more of a magical place over the wall, maybe because there's that break that there's, like, some sort of elsewhere where the wall works, like, there's kind of maybe a force field. This is, this is my... Mm. And so in the break in the wall, there's a break in that. And that is that really the field. only way that you can pass. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they've ever tested anything, though. Like, I would think yeah. they would at least... If it were me, and you know that somebody's there guarding it, I would think I would try and sneak over it elsewhere mm-hmm. first before I would go, like, to the guard of the wall, even if he is, like, an 80-year-old dude, yeah. and be like, I'm going to go through here now. Which I, I did love when he, like, kicked Tristan's butt. Yeah, <laughs> when, like he learned his lesson with his father and like had moves then, and yeah. that was awesome. I do think that having that eighty-year-old guard is also another sign that not a lot of people have tried to go over this wall. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like, oh, this guy will do. You know, no one's well, really gonna try. It was different in the something book. to do. He was he was added <laughs> for uh, comedic effect because yeah. it was it was two people on guard all yeah. the time and it rotated who it was. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty serious, like, kind of... I, yeah. I did read that part of the book. I like this idea better, though. Yeah, Because it, it fits more with the fairy tale aesthetic that, like, mm-hmm. one person would be guarding this, and this would be his duty, and he would just be ancient. Like, it just... It fits that yeah. to me. I think it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any last thoughts? No. Okay. I don't think so. It's a fun ride. If you're, if you're wanting to watch something... To get you in a good mood, um, you're wanting a little bit of lighter fantasy fare, totally go for it. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Or if you're trying to get somebody to watch something fantasy who's not normally into it. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. So what you guys would would you guys watch this again? Not anytime soon, mm-hmm. just because I'm watching so many things and I have watched it a time and a half already. Yeah. But I'll probably pick it up in a year or two and be like, oh yeah, I remember this. Let's go watch it again. Okay. I probably, not on my own, but like if somebody was like, hey, let's watch Stardust, I wouldn't be like, no. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But probably not on my own. Um, have you guys watched anything else? Have, oh, have anybody continue watching Merlin or anything? I'm, I'm still watching Merlin. I'm about halfway through the second season. I have been binging on all things Rami Malek for a week. Um, I've been... Rebecca is really, really happy that I'm watching uh, Mr. Robot. I watched all of the first season very quickly. I watched episodes over. I want to watch the entire season over. Um, I... It blew my mind. I was literally kind of like screaming in my apartment like no (laughs) (laughs) i know it is so good it is so stinking good it's so good um definitely going to continue watching it i've just taken a break and i've been watching other stuff and finding things for this podcast that that rami's been in 
because he's in some fabulous stuff. I do have to say that since you guys uh, did Mr. Robot, I did rewatch all of the first season, and then I went on and watched the second season for the first time. So it was, I'm all caught up. So that's my check-in. Um, I I did stop rewatching Merlin because I got distracted by other things, but I want to. I have an itch to go back and rewatch that. Mm. I took oh. a little break from from Hamilton as well. I know we've talked about Hamilton a lot, but I took a little break and went back to listening to my 21 Pilots because I love them. Um, And now I'm back in Hamilton again. (laughs) Yeah, once I... I still listen to Hamilton, but I also... Since my trip to New York, once I... As I started traveling to New York, I started listening to audiobooks, um, so I'm kind of, like, hooked on those again. I listen to... um, just to let everybody know, I listened to The Girl on the Train, which was fabulous, and Why Not Me by Mindy Kaling, which was also amazing. And now I'm listening to The Husband's Secret by Lane Moriarty, and she's another fabulous writer. Um, oh, what's being discussed next time? Who's, uh, whose turn is it? It's Mine. Kim's. Kim, what are you recommending? Uh, we are going to watch Ever After a Cinderella Story, which is, um, so we're going to keep with the fairy tale theme, and um, Drew Barrymore was in it. It was done in the late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's one of my favorites. So that is what we're watching for next week. Mm-hmm. Where can you find it? At your local library. Mm-hmm. That's It's not online anywhere. Okay. Local library sounds perfect. If you want more I Love It, Don't You content, visit our website, iloveitdontyou.wordpress.com. Our website has links to all our social media and our email address, iloveitdontyou1 at gmail.com. Follow us and let us know what you thought about the episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. You don't look like you're going to like it, but you're going to watch it. And it's, you're just, you're like the fifth person that's made me watch this, that's wanted me to watch this movie. And I don't know, it's one that just puts a bad taste in my mouth, but we'll see. Well, it's both of you all's fault because, like, just the, like, Merlin and then um, Stardust, like, just kind of the costumes and, like, time period just reminded me of Ever After. That's fair. I'm to watch it. I'm yank this band-aid off. (laughs) I do not like your attitude. (laughs) I'm keeping all of it. I want to keep all that in.